Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Herman. I'm Harry J. Perales, the other. And we are here for Season 2, Episode 11, The Horse Can Come. Uh, so before we get started, just want to say thanks to everyone who has subscribed and rated and reviewed us on the iTunes store. If you haven't already, that's the best way to help us out, get seen and you know get the news out there about anyone who's interested in Deadwood kind of joining us for this little journey. Uh, so we start this episode and though we never explicitly saw it, William Bullock has died. Um, but we start out in the thoroughfare and Al is walking around with his morning coffee and he smells something in the air and looks over and sees smoke coming from Chinaman's Alley. Al seems disturbed by the smell, even if he might not know what it is. I think he does know. I think later he figures it out. Yeah. And that's that's just a kind of subtle thing about Al engine of like he knows the smell of burning flesh. <laughs> like <laughs> it's really ominous and Yeah. But um it's a really heartbreaking situation. We go to Chinaman's Alley and Lee is burning the bodies of these dead Chinese prostitutes. Wu sees this and he just runs up screaming and is pleading with Lee, like basically, you know, what do you do it? Like, how could you do this sort of thing? One of Lee's uh, goons kind of throws Wu to the ground and Wu kind of gets up and it starts shouting at all the people standing around and, and looking um, reading Alan Seppenwall's write-up of this episode, uh, Keone Young, who plays Mr. Wu, commented in the comments, um, first of all, we get a little bit of backstory on Wu. He says, uh, he'd asked David Milch, like, why is Wu in South Dakota? Like, he said usually the Chinese immigrants congregate around the coasts, like San Francisco, L.A., New York, mm-hmm. Gulf Coast. And they basically came up with the story. Uh, well, he, he says, we came up with the idea that Wu had run away from San Fran- from the San Francisco Tong, which is a mob mm-hmm. out there, uh, for helping an indentured prostitute escape from them. Uh, so he, uh, hiding out in South Dakota would be the perfect choice. Thus, with the arrival of Lee, uh, makes Wu's situation more mollifying. Wu hates the Tong and fears them as well. Uh, only with Swearingen's help will he be able to uh, survive their vengeance. Um, he also brings up later on, you know, everyone is sad and emotional about the death of William. Mm-hmm. And he says, but don't forget the episode leads off with the burning of the dead body of a Chinese prostitute not much older than William. Uh, Wu, I believe, feels as much sorrow for this girl as well, and as understandable as he himself had to flee San Francisco to save one. Yeah. Um, that was a really interesting point that I hadn't even considered, which yeah, I didn't think about until speaks you ill of me, but... Well, I mean, uh, it's really just the way that people treat, you know, like, bodies, like, in this episode, like, later on, there's a kind of juxtaposition that's interesting, 
Mm. Um, and like in the last episode with you know Mose and um, William at the same time, so you know, right? The show's doing that a lot, showing like, well, you know, this is how the body functions in its different parts, and unfortunately, this is you know what's being done. Right. Yeah. It kind of speaks to how we um, place less importance on people that are different from us. Yeah. Like I remember when I was a kid, um, there was a very big story in Northern California where I grew up about poly class. And this might've been national news. I think um, this little girl was abducted from her home poly class mm-hmm. uh, up North of the Bay. And it was like this, you know, nationwide like manhunt and, and this huge news story and like Winona it's from the town that Winona writers from and she came up and like did press conferences about getting you know word out and like if you know anything help us out yeah meanwhile there was like a black girl that went missing like mm-hmm. around the same exact time and nothing about it like yeah <laughs> um that kind of reminds me of that it's like the whole town is congregating for you know I don't it's incredibly sad Mm-hmm. to yeah. lose a kid but then just feet away there's yeah. people being thrown onto a bonfire yeah <clears throat> outside the bullock house seth is putting together william's coffin uh I, al walks up to him and i like his very simple just like sorry bullock yeah from other people it might seem like sorry bullock that's all you're yeah. gonna fucking say but from al that's a lot <clears throat> yeah, it, yeah and you know that if he's saying that, he means it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he, he's he's not... We're so used to Al, like, dressing up, like, uh, you know, his words and having this eloquence and this flowery whatever, but he's just like, sorry, Bullock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he hands Seth his handkerchief. Mm-hmm. Seth's hand is bloody. I'm guessing he built this coffin. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you're doing that work. You bust up your hands and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And Seth doesn't take it. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't read it as I don't want your handkerchief sort of a thing. It's I kind of saw it as Seth being like, Who gives a shit about my Dude. knuckles? Yeah, no, at this point Seth is in, you know I mean, we saw him earlier in the in the series where, you know, he's just like staying up all night building the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And he's up all night like, you know, preparing everything for William's funeral. And he's like, I don't give a shit about my... I don't care about my body, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i building this for my, you know, my nephew slash son's body. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care about mine anymore. And there's a lot of... Something interesting that this episode does is there's a lot of the normal things you would expect from, like, a funeral or from the parents have a dead kid and, the, and they're just like, we don't, we're not interested in any of that. Like we don't yeah. care. Well, you know, when Andy comes in, we'll, we'll talk about it more, but there's a lot of things where like, they're just in such shock that they don't care about and, things like, and that's the, that's the thing you were saying, uh, or, or in the last episode about how life doesn't stop. It's like, you know, at the moment when you mm. need the time, and I, I've dealt with this in my family with like, you know, family members that have passed um, at the time when you really need to just kind of sit down and like, okay, I 
need to just relax and because this awful thing happened you don't get a chance to because mm-hmm. you have to plan a funeral you have to uh deal with like every single person's uh everybody else's grief and you know you get you know especially yeah. like it reminded me of my mother when my grandfather passed away and i don't know if i've told this story or not before but like uh, i don't know why i would have but uh you know because my mom's kind of like the central figure i i feel in my like everybody comes kind of comes to her and like works through her she has to be in charge of stuff and she has to you know especially with my grandparents she was in charge of like making sure they were you know in hospitals and taking you know and she's taking care of my grandmother since for the most part. And there was this moment where like, you know, my sister's calling my mom nonstop. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We have to do this. And my sister was like, Harry, I can't, I can't get a hold of mom. Can you call mom? Can you try to call her? And so I called my mom and I was like, Hey mom, how are you doing? She's like, I'm fine. I just, I went to, I went and got a pedicure. Yeah. I went and got this. And I was like, yeah, good. I'm glad you did mom. I like, I do that's your father do whatever you know you just lost your father do whatever makes you feel good yeah I and, and i was just so happy that i was like yeah take a day to yourself let somebody else worry about what needs to happen yeah it's so easy even at our age to forget that like, <laughs> yeah yeah um but al has come to like you were saying life goes on there's business to take mm-hmm. care of yeah al's like can you stand to have me around for a little while i'll stay back a few steps yeah sort of a thing uh could you abide what he says could you abide me beside you about 20 paces or so yeah yeah uh seth just kind of nods and he tells him that jerry's back in town and even with everything that's going on like this hassle is probably going to come check with you (laughs) to make sure that you're actually we're actually allied and seth agrees that like yeah i'll i'll take care of him um, Seth just walks off towards the house and Al has this look he's looking at Seth and he's I read it as kind of like maybe curious at Seth's disposition at this time Yeah, and he's also impressed mm-hmm. also uh, I thought it was a really interesting look like very nuanced and not like you know you you expect a very specific note to be hit yeah and they hit a different one yeah it's just it's kind of like i don't know how seth's dealing with this yeah. sort of thing and he just seth just has that when he, when he asks him he's like all right yeah he's like I, yeah, I yeah um but uh back at the chaise on me as lightning crashes, <laughs> Moses coughing awake. Uh, Jane has a yeah, you fat fuck, you're alive. <laughs> and we all laugh at that. But his first thing is let me die. Yeah. And That's, Jane, <laughs> is that thank you and whale talk? <laughs> as a fat man, I should be offended, but I just yeah, I, I can't be mad at Jane's insults ever. Yeah. And we talked last episode about kind of her bedside matter, manner, mm-hmm. ma- manner, bedside manner, <laughs> bedside manner. And she comes across Tom and doesn't bust his balls at all. Yeah. Cause she can tell if it's really wrong. And here she knows like what this guy needs right now is like tough love. Like, yeah. Hey man, y- you're not dead. And if you're not going to be dead, you have to deal with being alive. Hmm. Um, she forces him to 
to drink some water and there's you know a few kind of affectionate glances between her and Joni mm-hmm. um, but then she goes over and uh, kicks Leon awake <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tells him to go you know get to let him know the Moses up and take Khan back to his own place um, Joni is taking care of Moe's again and Joan and Joan mm. Jane has that little next time he wake up he wakes up he's gonna think he died and went to heaven yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the Bullock house Martha is tending to William's body and f- for this episode Martha's just kind of gonna be sleepwalking through the experience yeah Seth opens the door and sees her like he's carrying the coffin in and when he sees her he like sets it outside the door because he knows that he, he can see her having her last moments with her son yeah he just kind of sets it outside like the minute she sees that tiny coffin yeah it's gonna really be painful so um he just wants to set it outside there for a while um Seth goes into their room and he sees her her suitcases. All of her stuff is just thrown in there. It's yeah. not even yeah, it's, folded. She's yeah. just it's like hanging out the edges. Like, yeah. um, but they'll talk about that in a little bit. So now we get a very interesting scene. Wu has come and he's brought a drawing of what Lee <laughs> also just kind of love the shot of the drawing <laughs> you know exactly what it is you're like hey, it's pretty good hey. <laughs> they had the San Francisco guy and he's way bigger he's <laughs> <laughs> like riding a trolley car yeah <laughs> uh, but he, he's yeah he has a drawing showing what's going on Wu also brings out this plate with a map of China on it I love that there's a little bit of, oh, what, they have to be buried in China or else their souls won't go to heaven or something? It's like, wow, you sussed that out really quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, Al's telling Wu, like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. And it's really rough to yeah, watch. the way, that, and especially the way it builds up, because he's like, I know what you're saying, and I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And as an audience, you're just like, wait, fuck, no. But... Right. And you see that it really hurts Wu. Yeah. And he does that. Um, I can use that plate if you want to leave that. Yeah. And there's shots of like Dan and Johnny and Adams. And even they are like, yeah, they're like, oh, this is dude. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. And now, you know, I had written down as I was notating that, like, you can see the hurt on Wu's face. Yeah. Uh, in the comments on Alan Seppenwall's rewrite of this show, Keone Young, who plays Wu, comments on here, you know, like when you're on a TV show, you're always afraid of your character being killed off. Yeah. Uh, Keone Young, who plays Wu, commented, uh, David would at times cryptically sidle up to me and say, I got plans for you, young man. But that was not enough for me to feel any comfort. <laughs> like, you don't know what those plans are. <laughs> um, he said, I was working with a bunch of fine, fine actors at the time and at times didn't feel worthy of them. So in that scene with Swearingen, when he kicks me out of his office to look, uh, the look on my face was a culmination of my feelings of being rejected by my old friend Swearingen, but also rejected by Milch. 
fuck. Like he was taking that to mean like Al's not backing me up. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. my character's about to get killed by Lee. Yeah. Which, if Milch had planned that, that's pretty brilliant because it's yeah. exactly the face he needs to be making. That like, <laughs> yeah. oh god, I'm not like they don't care about me. They don't need me around. That reminds me of that great bit. Uh, that story about how like Steven Spielberg directed ET, to where he basically like shot it in sequence, and then at the end he went to Drew Barrymore and was like, you know, this is the last time you're going to see ET, right? He's going to be gone forever. All right, roll it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, they're all they're all crying because they're never going to see ET again. Maybe that's not cruel if it's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but after Wu storms out, Al kind of circles him around. It's like, all right, why am I not backing you up? <laughs> like, yeah. it's teaching time. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you know, he gets it right. A lot of times, Dan is just kind of like, let's kill them all, and it's like, Dan, no. Yeah. But he's like, uh, Hearst is backing up Lee. And Johnny's like, okay, well, that means Wu has to lose. But Al says, you know, maybe backing the losing guy wouldn't be the worst thing. You know, uh, Hearst could pick me up off the mat and Al will just humble himself and say like, ah, you got me. But what Al wants to do is he doesn't like the idea of Lee running Chinaman's Alley. He doesn't like the way he does business. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, so he wants to delay the fight between Lee and Wu. Uh, he says, if we put this off, um, during that time, Al can, he says, show his ass to Hearst. Mm. I don't know if that means, like, kind of humble himself or it means, like, hey, I'm ready to get in bed with you, sort of a thing. Yeah. In I, the business I, sense. I took it as, like, getting, like, humbled. Okay. But. Yeah, I like that other one better. Um, <laughs> like yeah. Notion of that, like, oh, okay, that's, that's, a, funny, uh, that's a funny way to put it. The idea being that, like, then Wu can bring over some more workers uh, from China. It says to be blown to bits by dynamite working for Hearst, which okay, that's <sighs> all right. Um, but I'll do it for half the price of what Lee does, and then this will make Hearst feel like. If Wu and Lee get into a battle, Hearst doesn't feel like he has to take on Wu. And one way that Hearst might do that is blocking local elections. Mm. So, and I love during all of this, Dan is kind of like, Dan's just sitting set and like arms crossed and strong, Mm -hmm. but he's probably not following along. Mm -mm. Uh, Johnny is... Uh, his head is darting around in all directions. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> and, and Adams is just kind of sitting there and like listening and taking it all in. Yeah. And those are all the dynamics of those characters. Yeah. <laughs> Dan doesn't understand, but doesn't need to. <laughs> Johnny, uh, <laughs> hmm, he, he is just too dumb to know that he doesn't need to know. Yeah. Uh, and Adams is the smartest of them. And yeah. he's being groomed by Al. Uh, Al says, uh, well, we need to bring Lee here. Dan just kind of like gives him a wink and pounds a table. And like yeah. Johnny, <laughs> love Johnny's like, yeah, pound table. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Back at the Grand Central, uh, Blazanov has showed up to deliver the telegrams. EB uh, has a little plan. He says, uh, hey, we're friends now. You don't need to announce yourself every morning. And Blazanov's like, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> 
Maybe's like, oh, you, you don't have to deliver all those telegrams. Like, what if you catch one of them, uh, you know, in flagrante and they're armed? You might get yourself shot. You can just leave them here and I'll put them in the cubby holes here. Blazanov's like, I'm not allowed. In. <laughs> He's like, oh, I understand. You need to get your uh, tips. Why don't I just like uh, give you five bucks? Yeah. <laughs> like just straight. And he, he does this and like, as he's saying this, like Trixie walks in because she's going to go talk to Almond. He be like hides his face and yeah. like <laughs> dr- his voice drops. And Blazanov's just like, Cheyenne Black Hills Telegram Service will not do this. Like, he's like, requires delivery by Blazanov. The little EB's like, yet avarice is numbered among the sins and stupidity omitted. <laughs> um, now we're up in Alma's room, and Trixie is kind of making this note to Alma that uh, there aren't any whores out on the gem's balcony, as usual, because. Al doesn't let them out because they'd all jump jump off. She says, "Yeah." She says that the horse gets super emotional over kids dying, which struck me as very interesting. And I'm not entirely sure why it strikes me as interesting. Which is like, why is that the horse were specifically affected by that sort of thing, um, like in an outsized way? Maybe like that. Given all the ugliness they see. They're not usually around kids and can kind of think that they're pure and yeah, they're the one good thing in the world because mm-hmm. <laughs> they see all the adults that they come across are unpleasant. Yeah. But um, Alan Steppenwall wrote in his write-up on this episode, um, says this, this episode is at once incredibly simple because all the action is either about or affected by the funeral for William Bullock but it's also incredibly complicated because very few people are able to or willing to reveal their true faces on such a horrible day as this. Um, and we you know, see a lot of people kind of, you know, Al has to pretend like he doesn't care. Yeah. S- Seth has to suppress his urge to beat the shit out of Jerry <laughs> later <laughs> on. But, uh, Trixie's come back to see what Alma's been thinking about Ellsworth's proposal. But Trixie's not pressing Alma on it anymore. No. Uh, it was the first time she's like, what the fuck's wrong with him? Like, just say yes. Yeah. Basically. But she says, a uh, few choices as are ours to make. Others should say the fuck out of the process. And I thought this was a really sweet scene of, you know, their friendship was very odd to begin with and very strained yeah. <laughs> because Alma's just this privileged rich girl and Trixie's had the hardest possible life. Yeah. Um, but they seem to have a genuine affection for each other now. Um, and Trixie does that little thing where she sniffs her glass to see if she's been drinking laudanum. <laughs> yeah. Like a little bit. And I feel like in the past Alma would have been a, like, do you suspect me of doing this thing? <laughs> but she just like smiles. Yeah. She's like, hmm, like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like she's at ease with Trixie finally. Yeah. Um, but in the hallway of the Grand Central, we see Blazanov delivering his telegrams. <laughs> 
So we see Walcott, uh, Walcott tips him. He gives him a little tip. He mm-hmm. says, how are you today, Blazanov? But <laughs> closes the door. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should ask. Oh. Uh, but Walcott reads his telegram and is clearly very interested in what it has to say. Mm-hmm. That will pay off at the end. Uh, and then uh, Blazanov has a telegram for Commissioner Jerry, uh, who does exactly what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. He says, yes, I am he, and slams the door. And Blazanov's like, he just kind of goes, like, puts his hand up in the air. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's like, yeah, fucking asshole. <laughs> to, at the Bullock house, Seth kind of looks out and Saul is standing outside. So Saul's back to, you know, he's not standing vigil anymore, but he's, you know, there to help. He goes into the kitchen and then brings up to Martha that he saw that she's packed her clothes. He just doesn't want her to make a hasty decision in an emotional day like this. But she says she can't bear to stay, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, rightfully so. To be all alone in this in this place, you know, but, but, uh, Andy shows up at that point. Um, he's going to discuss William's service with them. He starts asking about like what songs and, you know, what readings they might like. Might you like a second reading? And they're just like, we don't just keep it really brief, which, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about. Like you would expect usually for parents to be like, Let's have the nicest service we possibly can for yeah. our son. But they're just like, this is so horrible and awful that we don't want to spend any more time than we have to thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and Andy asks, like, do you want to provide any details about William's life? And Martha's just like, God, no. No, like, we don't want to have to talk about it. It's, it's kind of cruel in a way for them to have to go through all this. Yeah. Like there's there's no amount of time that's gonna be enough for them to process what just fucking happened. And then they also uh, have that bit where they announce that the uh, the burial is going to be private. Yeah, she she just doesn't like. I don't want anyone around. Yeah. And, you know, and Andy asks like, will there be a passing by of the casket? Mm-hmm. And Martha like cannot handle anymore. Just shouts out no and. Seth does, you know, a good job. Like Seth in a lot of ways has not been a great like husband or a partner or like good at dealing with people. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's call a spade by its proper name. Oh, uh, um, but he's starting to grow into his role mm-hmm. and he's like, th- he puts on a smile and tr- tries to let Andy know, like, you know, thank you for coming. Thank you for doing this. We understand that it's necessary, but just we can't right now yeah. <laughs> sort of a thing. Uh, after Andy leaves, like Seth kind of looks out the window to watch Andy leave and he sees J- Commissioner Jerry sees coming. fucking Tobolowski coming. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Phil? Phil <laughs> Connors? Uh, <laughs> Ned? <laughs> yeah, that's this point of the, mo- of the movie. Just imagine Bullock doing that. Ned! Punching him in the face. We, he clearly wants to beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's not only 
rushing out to protect Martha from like you like don't come into my house right now yeah. where my dead son is and my wife is trying to grieve uh but he's also like wants to beat the shit out of him so bad yeah um but and he's also grieving himself like he's sad about this this is really tough yeah um so he goes out and he's just like, look, whatever you like the question you're at, here to ask me, the answer is yes. Don't get the fuck out of here. Uh, I love Jerry's little, my reluctance to intrude nearly kept me from coming at all. Like the, <laughs> uh, I'm a sinner who does not expect forgiveness, but I'm not a politician <laughs> government official. That's what it was. But anyway, back to the belly union, Leon is back and he's going to tell Cy that, Moe's made it through and uh, Khan's rupture has been fixed. <laughs> it's just that great bit where he's like, all right, I'm going to take some dope. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. What a day. I could use some dope. Uh, Jerry comes in right after that and he wants to cash a check for this bribe to give to Al. Side doesn't want to cash it. And Jeremy, Jerry is like, I want to give you the opportunity to prove you're above these parochial rivalries and the service of the common good and blah, blah, blah. And Cy's like, he's trying to rub my nose in it. <laughs> he's, uh, Jerry is uh, trying to remind him of the time that Cy abandoned him in the cage to be torn apart by the mob. Uh, Trixie is walking into the gem and there's this <laughs> she walks up to Al at the bar and all the whores are, are still crying <laughs> Al's like oh this is gonna be a pleasant fucking day <laughs> um but Trixie asks if uh, the horse can go to William's funeral uh he says he won't object he's like but it's your <laughs> But it's yours to keep them she-apes from disgracing me. <laughs> she-apes. <laughs> um, but he tells her, like, you know, just ask Saul. Like, he'll know better than I would. Um, and she asks, like, should I ask if you can come? And Al's like, why the fuck would I want to go there? Yeah. That's just Al being Al. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because, like, yeah, in a couple, there's a couple of... Uh, in the main one I'll bring it up more but yeah Al putting on the Al face mm-hmm. and uh but yeah we'll find out later yeah. why he's but uh back to the chaise on me Jane has tried to take a bath she ends up burning her stash <laughs> <laughs> water and she she like feels it and just, like she she yells out hot but also yeah. like tries to angle around so to like make sure Joni hears that she's yeah. saying it's hot. Hot. hot and she's clearly like uh, stalling and yeah like she's basically all of us at like five years or like six years old yeah <laughs> and she does the thing did it ever occur to you strange bathing in a tub you've dirty coming out thinking you're clean like <laughs> I mean I remember being a kid it's like why am I sh- like taking a bath I'm just gonna get dirty again yeah <laughs> like <laughs> I love that. And I love Joni's like, you need a bath, Jane. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking take it. I'm just raising the general fucking question. Uh, 
I remember there was some asshole in high school who uh, he was a few years older than me, and like, but he was in the same history class. Mm-hmm. But he was like, uh, I just, I was just, I didn't realize, like, you know, I just realized, like, why, why do we clean our towels? Oh my god! Because when we come out of the shower, we're clean, aren't we? <laughs> and I was like, wash your fucking towel and like, shut the <laughs> fuck up, you nasty, like, stupid jock. <laughs> You heard it here, folks. Unauthorized cinnamon says, wash your fucking towels. Wash your fucking towels. If you wash your ass with it, wash your towels. <laughs> uh, Jane is, you know, just stalling. Um, Joni doesn't really want to go to the funeral either. Jane makes a mention about these new booths she's got. She has that line of, like, it's not the newness that bothers me, it's the blisters. Uh, Todd Vanderwerf at the AV Club keyed in on this um he had to say moving on from death is never easy but we disguise it as best we can still the very act of newness of acting like nothing happened causes blisters all the same and the pain makes us think of what it is we're doing we have to wait until our grief's broken in figured out how to live with it before we can move on yeah um but uh also Joni. (laughs) Doesn't want to go to the funeral, and Jenny's just like, I don't like funerals. And Jay's got that great face. Like, I do, I do. I can't get to enough of them. <laughs> so good. Uh, but back at the hardware store, Trixie's asking Saul if the horrors can come. And I like that Saul's answer is like, it's open to everyone in camp. Yeah. It's not like, uh, yeah, who's going to. It's like, I mean, everyone's invited. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's a lot of times. With Trixie especially, that we see people just accept her as one of the people, you know, just another citizen. Yeah. And I think it's a very deliberate choice because of, you know, Deadwood is a place that exists outside. You know, when we started out, it was, there was no law. Yeah. Uh, And the logical extension of that is there's none of these societal structures. Yeah. Um. So whereas in, you know, New York City, a whore is not accepted in polite society. Here in Deadwood, it's like, well, I mean, everyone in camp's invited. Yeah. Whores are part of the camp. Um, But then they begin to discuss. uh, Saul wants to know why Trixie went back to Al. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trixie has, you know, the great line. I think we started out this this series like I wasn't a big fan of Paula Malcolmson but yeah. like I was so wrong yeah <laughs> I, 100% wrong Trixie's amazing yeah. and great and her line here uh, as much as he's her misery the pimp's a whore's familiar so the sudden strange or violent draws her to him but then finishes with not that I wouldn't learn another way yeah. I think we see that at the end and I'll bring that up but yeah. um that idea of like, look, I mean, I know Al used to step on my neck and beat me, but he's all I've ever known of a authority or parental father figure. Yeah. Um, but we're going back to the gym and Jerry's going to come in and uh, talk to Al and Al kind of, again, we go back to Adams doing his little acting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Al's like tells out look more mournful. 
Al directing. But Jerry comes in and is like, sad day, gentlemen, on which commerce must intrude. <laughs> like, fuck you. Uh, Al says, like, I'm not... <laughs> I love this. Like, I'm not doing any business. The day of my godson is passing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, good on Jerry for, like, He's wrong about why he's stalling, yeah. but he knows that he's like bullshitting him. It's like, uh, okay, he thinks he's trying to like get some more money out of Montana coming back with you know Yankton's counter offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, <laughs> Al's like, what a type you must consort with to not uh, that you not fear a beating for such an insult. Uh, but Jerry says like, okay, look. Well, he's like, allow us to counter. And Al's like, I won't even, if you come back with a scent over, I'm going to, you know, have you killed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, like, takes that to, like, be part of the negotiations. Like, would you take a counter offer excluding currency? And this is where, you know, last episode, Al's like, we're getting elections. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is his plan coming together. And Jerry's like, I will come back with a counter offer without currency. And, <laughs> Al's, Al's got his back turned to him, but he, like he like lifts his eyebrows, like that was easy. <laughs> um, now we are uh, in the Bella Union. Andy's back in town, and he is uh, coming to meet with Sai, and Sai uh, greets him warmly with these remembrances of their last cons that they pulled together. Uh, quickly getting to the point that, like, any game you're here to run is by my fucking leave. Yeah. And, you know, like, you got to run that through me. And Andy's like, I'm not here to run any games. I'm I'm converted. I'm a new man. <laughs> and yeah. so I, it, Cy mentions that he knows a few cons that start that same way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Andy gives him, like, I will suffer any, indig- any indignity. But interference with God's word, I will not suffer. Mm-hmm. That's called foreshadowing for all the uh, uh, English students out there. Yeah. But uh, Sai's tired of all this and just grabs Andy literally by the balls <laughs> and throws him out. So there's the first indignity that Andy suffers. But uh, back in Al's office, Alice brought Lee in. And he's going to try and <laughs> like browbeat him into not starting the war with Wu quite yet. He's telling Lee, like, today's the funeral for a son of a man that you'll have to do business with, you know, in the future. So, like, knock it off with uh, burning people's bodies. And, you know, don't do any violence. Don't start any fights with Wu. And he's like, God damn it, act civilized even if you aren't. And Lee finally talks. And he goes, I am a civilized person. Mm-hmm. Which is one of those things, like just the one line, and he still has he, his enunci his uh, uh, accent isn't completely gone, mm-hmm. uh, and he's kind of struggling to say it, and like it's packed with so much meaning in there. Yeah, <laughs> I really really love that. Yeah, um, but after they go out, uh, Al kind of does the. Do you guys want to go to the fucking service or not? Yeah, and they're like okay, and like jump out and go. And, <laughs> Uh, Al all by himself just says to himself the fuck I want to go for yeah which I think that Al doth protest too much yeah um in the Grand Central Walcott comes down (laughs) 
uh, he wants to know from EB, like, how much do you want for the hotel? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just... But yeah, there's the whole thing, like, EB's like, oh, uh, oh no, no. Is it hot near to you? Actually, it's quite chilly. Walkout says, well, well oh. if it's too chilly, uh, let me focus on that and yeah. not on the other thing. I'm going to go, I'm going to fix that. Uh, Richardson? Uh, <laughs> Um, not here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just like as Weasley as possible. Yeah. If you were chilly in 10 minutes' time, pray for my immortal sulk. <laughs> because of some fatal mishap will have befallen me. <laughs> Short of which, I will not fail to dispel the chill now afflicting you. <laughs> uh, yeah, like just on the other side of the door, he just like is completely hyperventilating. You know, they're trying to take everything, which. Yeah. Man, it's you know one of the few times you can really feel sorry for EB. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, man, he's got everything tied up in this fucking hotel, and they're he's gonna lose it. Yeah. Uh, now this scene is just great. Like this <laughs> is just a little break from the plot to have a little like, this you know. In my neighborhood, folks had all kinds of superstitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is almost kind of like a little mini like short film in Deadwood. Like this seems like something that would be like a webisode or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Dan's polishing his boots. And Johnny comes. This is like amazing comic acting. <laughs> By the light. If a bird taps on a winner or crashes into one. That means there has been a death. <laughs> and there's the great, like, we know there's been a death, John. He's like, yeah, but when this happened, we didn't know yet. <laughs> Just outstanding. Yeah. Like, so good. Uh, but, you know, Johnny then, like, Dan's polishing his boots, and Dan, like, you better start getting cleaned up and Johnny comments that oh I got brand new boots I'm well no well first what it is is Dan's like I'm not polishing your boots Johnny oh okay <laughs> and then he's like oh that's okay I got a brand new pair of boots it's like Jesus Christ you can't wear nothing new to a funeral <laughs> especially not new footwear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and John, oh I never heard that yeah. <laughs> like, it's not even like what? Why footwear? Why can't wear? And he's just like, oh, I never heard I that. I never heard that. <laughs> Maybe because one day he was telling it to you, you were too busy listening to that bullshit about birds crashing in a window. Then Trixie comes in. She's got all this <laughs> confiscated drug paraphernalia. Yeah. She's horrified that Dan has boots on the bar. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, because Boots are on the bar, then obviously she has to go sprinkle whiskey in the doorway to yeah. keep the evil out. <laughs> and Johnny has that must have brought that from the other side. <laughs> like, oh, some people, all right? Am I oh, crazy, folks? <laughs> like, after all they've been saying. And I guess that's, does that mean that, like, Trixie's come from Ireland? Do you think? She <laughs> must have brought I, that from the other side. I didn't think about that, but they could be. I thought he was mentioning, like, the other side of the water. Like, she must have... Oh, we never heard that. So she must have brought that from... And I just assumed Ireland, because that's where Paula Malcolmson's yeah. from. I mean... Northern Ireland. Yeah. But, anyway. Just really... Like... And that's a perfect Deadwood, uh, like, comedic short scene, because <laughs> yeah. it also, you know, talks about 
America and superstition and all that. I mean, and this whole episode is dealing with like the ritual of funeral and, you know, planning it and what do we do? And, you know, we have the religious aspect, then there's a superstitious aspect. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember growing, like, when I would go to like, um, when I would go to Mexico growing up, there would be this graveyard and they'd be like, no, don't, don't bring any dirt from that graveyard. No, you, you shake your, you take your shoes off mm. and you beat, <laughs> you beat all that dirt off. Like, don't bring it in. Wow. But, uh, now we go to Alma's room. This is just a beautiful scene where you know Sophia's been quiet ever since William's accident. Mm-hmm. She's sitting there playing checkers, and Alma is telling her that she, more than she even knows, understands the desire to just distract yourself mm-hmm. from the pain of life. That she's, you know, afraid that she won't be able to stand, and she tries to tell Sophia like believe me I've been through it you can stand it you are strong enough to get through it um, then she offers to her she says I would be so grateful if you would trust me with your sadness and I will trust you with mine so that even when we are sad we will be grateful for how much we love each other and know that we are in the world as much in our pain as in our happiness Just you know an old um you know, religious belief of like, that's what makes us human, not just our happiness, but our pain also. Yeah. And all that. What is it C.S. Lewis said? What pain is uh, God's megaphone to wake deaf ears or something like that? <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah. Um, but then her to line... To wake at, a deaf world, yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, her line at the end was really beautiful to me that shall we dress now and say goodbye to William Bullock. Um, it's just a great way to talk to a kid about death this is also the i mean i don't remember i could be wrong but this could like the moment like sophia just like throws her arms around her and kisses her Mm -hmm. and it's like the first kind of because we see trixie like even in the scene before trixie's always like kissed sophia's head been very kind of physical with her Mm -hmm. and affectionate and this is the first time alma's aside from you know uh you know, in a sexual sense, this is the first time we've seen Alma really be tender, really be yeah. tender. Yeah, because even with, with Seth, there was a lot of passion, but it yeah, but it was it was like it was like you know something that was like uncorked, you know, right? <laughs> like there's something that had been repressed that was just let loose. Right. This was you know this is just two genuine souls that loved each other and yeah, um, yeah, it's, and it's also the first time she's been a mother to Sophia in that way. Yeah. Because she's been the sort of, like, learn your numbers, Sophia, and, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll give you a bit of candy, Sophia. But this is, like, the first real connection. Yeah. Like, no, I'm here for you, and I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're at the gym. Trixie's got all the whores lined up. She's trying to get them presentable. <laughs> she's like, Trixie is a drill sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> is that a pledge pit? Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Flounder. But, uh... <laughs> Aww. Oh, um, but it, it also kind of drove home to me like, oh, wow, these girls do look rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, they can go to the funeral. I mean, it's all these hoople heads and their mm-hmm. mud boots and whatnot. But it's like, oh, man, they really need to get cleaned up. <laughs> it uh, goes up to Jen. She's like, go wash your mouth. You got seven kinds of cock breath. Fuck. That is really, I don't mean to like body shame or whatever you want to call it but like that specific malady yeah is, <laughs> oh boy 
you know, we all have like morning breath or mm-hmm. like, oh man, I've, uh, you know, I don't know. We all have smelly body things, mm-hmm. but that specific one is just like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, Trixie asks Al, like, why don't you just come to the funeral? And But he's, you know, just doing his really transparent. We see this a lot with him and Trixie where he's really clearly just like putting on an act of like, yeah. Huh? What? I wasn't even uh, paying attention. I'm busy with my uh, crossword puzzle, whatever, the f- <laughs> you know, where it's clearly like, him. think of a crossword puzzle, just as tricks. Hey, tricks. <laughs> Pinkerton. Bullet, bullet, bullet. Um, Yankton, Yankton. Sorry. <laughs> Cocksucker. <laughs> um, at the, <laughs> I'm just thinking of crosswords. It's just cocksucker, yeah, cocksucker. cunt. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like taking the time to okay, four letters across. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> like he's still making them fit, <laughs> but it's all the cuss words from Deadwood. <laughs> um, now we get to the the funeral, and we see the whole camp gathered. Mm-hmm. They're out in front of the Bullock House and. Seth and Martha are off to the side and they're in their black mourning clothes. I, yeah. I thought that was a striking image because everyone else is yeah. gathered and as much as they've tried to dress up as much as they can, it's still this frontier town. Yeah, that's all they have. They're dressed in their best to pay tribute, but that's what they have. And, just, and there's just Seth and Martha that are actually appropriately dressed yeah, in their just, little area. And they're just all dressed in hoople head brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and mud. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Andy starts his service and he briefly mentions, you know, William was aged 11, survived by Seth and Martha Bullock. And he reads, goddamn, Psalm 23. He's like, yay, though, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And this, this is also, we see how uh, new Andy is to all this. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the most comforting psalm. Yeah. <laughs> It's also like the most fucking basic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, later on, he gets to the really like, don't talk about worms eating the flesh in front of the mother. Um, yeah. But it's also you it's, know the the funeral that we had in season one, there was the reverend who was not only practiced, but he was coming out of like a place of genuine passion for yeah. what he was saying. Yeah. And he was delivering the sermon that he felt the surviving needed to hear. Yeah. Andy is completely new to this and he thinks he's doing what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's, he's not talking from his heart. No, he's just kind of like, and the Lord hath said, yay, though I walk through the vet and he's halting and he's like really boring. Yeah. And everyone's kind of like, this is mm-hmm. okay. But, um, while this is going on, we see Al wander out, onto the balcony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's kind yeah. of looking around, but no one else is there because everyone's at the funeral. Yeah. Um, but he kind of looks around to make sure no one can see him and he's trying to see what he can at the funeral. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Andy gets to the part in the sermon like, oh, even though the worms eat my flesh, I will meet the Lord. And Martha, at that point, you know, you can point to that specific line, Yeah. but also the fact that she's surrounded by strangers. Yeah and is in a place where she never thought she would end up. Yeah. And now everyone that she loved in her life is gone. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think that all just washes over her and she just runs into the house. Like mm. she doesn't want to be around these people anymore. She just wants to be with William. Yeah. That's her last connection to her old life. Yeah. Um, so she runs in to the house and as she's running, she like falls down and you see the kind of pain and sympathy of the, like we get a shot of Tom. Yeah. And he just kind of looks down. Mm-hmm. We see them feel for her. Yeah. Um, which I really liked because everyone kind of can feel this pain, even though she's a brand new member of the camp and they're all yeah. you know, strangers. But she runs into the house and she just stands over his body sobbing for a while. Yeah. And I think at that moment is when she finally says goodbye. Yeah. And let's go. She comes back out. Um, and Seth meets her and takes her arm and walks her back down. And at this point, you know, we've mentioned that Seth is getting better at playing his role, but even at this point, he doesn't know what to do. No, you can see the look on his face where he's like, I don't... I yeah. Want, I just want to do whatever I can, but well, I don't know what that is. Right. And I don't think it's Seth not knowing what to do because there's really, like, nothing you can do. No. Um, but he does walk her back down. And she's been able to say goodbye now and she's reached as much of a piece as she can. Yeah. And she tells Seth, like, let the people come in and say goodbye to William. Mm-hmm. It's like, let, let them have the moment that she had. Yeah. So right as Andy is, he's finishing his, um, sermon, he says the burial is going to be private. Seth whispers to him, let them see him. Mm hmm. And I noticed that Andy almost tears up at this. And I think that he, it's a couple of things where I think he was very nervous about his sermon. Yeah. Because it's, when you look at it, it's like, that's your job. Like it's not going great. No. Uh, And I think he looks at Martha kind of like gratefully Mm -hmm. and kind of thanking her, like, thank you. Like, for letting us in and we see that she's kind of joined the body of the camp. Yeah. Um, but we see the strangers and they have just strangers filing in. Yeah. At first they don't have it led by, um, any of the jam whores or like Jane and Joni. It is just random extras and they all look incredibly sad. Yeah. Um, and it's intercut with things like, you know, Tom has, his special flowers with the number 10 on the, the on the yeah the floral arrangement and at first like this was a split second thing but i was kind of like why did they have him put number 10 like like it's an advertisement or something? but i realized like that is part of tom yeah like that's his life that's a representative of tom himself yeah it's, um it's the most important thing to him yeah um and we see like uh, Jane and Joni leaving leaving flowers, and it's these really rough like prairie flowers, yeah. like wild flowers yeah. set up against like a stack of logs. Yeah. Sophia gives Jane those flowers. Ugh, yeah. God. Um, but this is also cut in with Doc tending to Moe's. Yeah, and we see the man who like didn't want to live but mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. 
cut with the boy who had all of his life ahead of him and had it cut short. Yeah. And this is more really great acting by uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, yeah. who plays Moe's. How he kind of looks around, and we see him kind of go like, "Well, I'm still alive." Yeah. Like what now? And there's also just the notion of like, there's we see all of these people going to William, and to watch William, and Moe's has nobody. Yeah. He's alive and he's alone. Yeah, he's. One well, of the last things we saw of him was him shouting angrily, like, "No, I got nobody." Yeah. There's also that. Uh, there's a. There's a great little bit. Um, before they go to look at the body, when uh, you see Dan and Adams, they're like, we're going to let people look at the body, and they kind of, they walk, they, as soon as they can walk away, they walk away. Yeah. But they show Johnny. Johnny's like, well, but what, what do I, and they're like, no, come with yeah. us, like, leave with us. Yeah. Because Johnny wants, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they start to go back to the gem. And Al sees him coming has to like <laughs> run into yeah. his office and then be like, oh, let me check out what's going on. Oh, are you guys here? Like, I yeah. didn't oh, see you guys. Here? I didn't hear you come in. Um, he tells him to go get Woot. <laughs> Johnny wants to know if they have to set up shifts at the ice house. <laughs> I love Al's like, what does he mean? Yeah. <laughs> Realize that when they said they have to put Woo on ice, Johnny thought literally. <laughs> Oh, Johnny. Uh, in the Grand Central, there, there's Almond Sophia and Ellsworth coming back from the funeral, and Ellsworth carries Sophia up the stairs. Where was... was uh, Ellsworth wasn't at the funeral, was he? Or where? I, I think he was supposed oh. to be, but they just yeah. didn't... Uh... Yeah, because, well, she mentions, like, oh, we... Because she's telling him, like, we brought flowers, so oh. I think it's oh, like he true. wasn't there. He might have been at the claim. Yeah, that's what, was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. There's a yeah, we picked flowers in William's graveyard, me and Trixie. The Trixie and I is how that's supposed to go, I think. Just so there's really quick Jim Beaver in his comments under Alan Steppenwall's write up, he said that like you know, we had to shoot me carrying that little girl upstairs all day. <laughs> it's like they say never work with children or animals, but I would much sooner work with children than stairs yeah. <laughs> don't ever work with stairs and he's like animals i'm not so sure yeah. <laughs> like, um but yeah and then alma tells him that um she does accept his marriage proposal <laughs> there was that bit though where um where she's like yes yes to your like proposal and i just pictured like two things of, like how Oh, you corrected her grammar. Oh, I, I will marry you. <laughs> <laughs> but then also when uh, she accepts it, I just pictured Ellsworth like dropping Sophia. Hot dog. Hot dog. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Need you again. Uh, Alan Seppenwall wrote in his write-up, uh, Alma seems to recognize the value of a trustworthy man after witnessing Seth and Martha say goodbye to their son. Yeah. And I think that's true in that she had just talked to Sophia about the, like, we are as much in the world as our, in our sadness as in our happiness. Yeah. And we will share that burden with each other and we'll have each other to love. And she sees the value of having someone her own age, I think. Yeah. And having just one more person to be able to share life with, mm-hmm. um, beyond just the concerns of, you know, solidifying her claim and all that. I, I think she recognizes 
Ellsworth is a decent man who she can confide in and she can if she doesn't have romantic love with him they can love each other in a different way right um but we go uh to Chinaman's Alley and Wu is working hard at something and I really like that they have Wu speaking Chinese and they don't do subtitles yeah because there's a little scene playing out where he's doing some sort of work with like mm-hmm. a rake or a hoe mm-hmm. so, or, uh, yeah some sort of rake and another one like there's two other people watching him mm-hmm. and like one guy comes up to say like hey do you want to like take a break or you're saying mm-hmm. something and was like no leave me alone like I'm yeah. doing something right now yeah but you don't get what they're actually saying and it, I just think that's really a, a cool thing to do to find a way to communicate what's going on without using actual language. Right, right. Um, but then uh, the big three come up, John, Dan, Johnny, and Adams, and they say <laughs> you have to go... and Curly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell him that he needs to go see Swearingen, but he's like, yeah, fuck you. Am I going to go see Swearingen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a... Keone Young in his comments on Helen Seven Wall says that at this point he calls... Uh, he calls Johnny a white demon with no brain in his head. <laughs> and I rewatched after reading that and you see him like say like and then like say something else and like point in his head really exaggerated. <laughs> Gotta figure out what that insult is. Well, guaylo means like white devil. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I don't know what like n- no brain in your head means. We can <laughs> Yeah, I gotta, yeah. <laughs> just, just phonetically learn it. Yeah. <laughs> Just go shout at people. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe let's not do that. Impress your friends at parties. Um, yeah, then they just like carry him off. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Dan had threatened Saul with in the last episode. It's kind of funny. Yeah, like, or it's just a little, like, but, you know, the whole episode is concerned with this funeral of William, and we don't see the body being taken off, but the body that we do see is Wu huh. being <laughs> carried off. Yeah, and uh, Paul Bearers. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Although they're saving him instead of yeah, being, exactly. Uh, yeah. Juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, n- this is just a thoroughly uncomfortable s- scene with Walcott and Sai. Walcott's like drinking, and Sai says, "Oh, the last time you had that look in your eyes, some girls ended up dead." And Sai, uh, man. Um, well, anyway, he starts to needle him about, like, you know, all that. But then Andy interrupts, and he's shouting about all the sin going on yeah. in the belly union. Andy gets, you know, thrown out mm-hmm. again. This time he didn't get his balls grabbed, which no. is, you know, better. Uh, but Walcott then sort of, like, is needling side back. Mm-hmm. Of, like, you seem desperate, Cy. Like, you know, you, you feel like your station is under threat. And Sai kind of claps back at him, like, at least when I feel threatened, I fight back instead of murdering helpless women and that sort of thing. But Jerry comes in to mm-hmm. break this up, and he wants to know, like, he's like, he reminds me of, like, an insecure boyfriend of, like, are you communicating with Helena? Like, <laughs> are you telegramming Helena? And Walcott's like, I don't give a shit about this this like territorial rivalry you have going on. And Jerry's like, I do want to believe that's true. But then that's 
when Walcott drops the the bombshell of like you can ask he calls him the great man himself. Galactus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh Hurst is gonna be arriving within the week. And that's gonna be momentous. Yeah. Um Cy gets in this last little shot at Walcott where he's like uh Oh, I don't envy you having like and Jerry makes a thing of like, well I hope when he arrives we can hang a banner that says Welcome to Deadwood, part of Dakota Territory. Yeah. Sai is getting in a shot at Walcott saying, like, I don't envy you having to wait for that. It's like a wait like that can drive some men to the cliff or even over it. Calling back what he would always say to Walcott. Yeah. Walcott like has it like you know, setting his jaw in in anger. Um, we go outside the hardware store and we had talked earlier about like Trixie runs to Al when she feels, um, you know, threatened or something that's hard to handle happens. She goes back to Al, yeah. but she's willing to learn a different way. Um, she's been standing outside the hardware store just nervously and like smoking. And she mm-hmm. sees the wagon coming back that Saul is driving. It's got Martha and Seth on it. And they've, they're back from burying William. She seems relieved to see Saul. Yeah. And I found this is like, he's the one that she looks to for comfort now. Yeah. And Saul has like this little like solemn nod. And like, now that he's back, she feels at peace and she, kind of goes back in the store and there's also a little like Saul gives her a look as he drives by like looks back to see her even though he's trying to look cool yeah um now we're back in Al's room we've got another uh blow job log <laughs> or soliloquy oh or whatever the other words we had for it um I don't know but soliloquy is uh my favorite <laughs> all right no soliloquy but now we see why Al's been avoiding this funeral. He's telling the story of having gotten the shit beat out of him by his foster adoptive parents after his adopted brother's funeral. And he's like, he's trying to be defiant about it, but you can tell it fucked him up. Cause he just, he was like, I didn't ask these people to take me in. Now they're like beating me for their son being dead as if I had anything to do with it. And, but uh, you know, he asked her, uh, "How was the funeral? Everyone was sad, I expect." And she has that line, "Yeah, but it was pretty too." Just, is <laughs> just like, "Shut the fuck!" <laughs> I was like, "Did you dye your hair?" Oh yeah, <laughs> he's got that great bit at the end though. Did you dye your hair? Yes. And to that, we need to take a moment. Uh, Jim Beaver also comments on Alan Sepinwall's blog, as I've mentioned many times before. On this one, he took the time specifically to write this paragraph. He says, I don't know if I've mentioned Ashley Kaiser, who plays Dolly, the whore who, (laughs) along with the Indian in the box, provides Al with head for his monologues. Oh. Solid pun. Uh, He says, Ashley's a lovely girl, and I've always applauded her for her courage in being part of these scenes, scenes that are extremely difficult for everyone, but particularly for the unheralded young lady at the center. Ashley was one of the background girls promoted to something more um, memorable. And though it's Ian who has the lines, what was required of Ashley is nothing less than great dedication and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. 
whether it's sex or sobbing or nudity, doing it on a set in front of half a hundred people is wildly different from doing it in private. This episode's example is one of my favorites, and it has a great moment where Al asks Dolly if she's dyed her hair, and she nods more emphatically in reply. As I recall hearing, Ashley had herself dyed her hair, and either David or Ian came up with the line on the spot to incorporate the difference in the shape of the show. It really does feel improvised, though. Yeah. Like it, it does a, did you dye your hair? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it's... One of the, like, those scenes are done so well. I feel we get desensitized to how great these scenes are. Yeah. Of him revealing this extremely vulnerable childhood situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as he's exploiting a young girl, he yeah. still cares about her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very nuanced, and we don't get too many things like this anymore. No, we don't. Um, but the episode ends at the Bullock house, uh, and Martha's folding the things that she's packing up. Seth kind of stops her and his line that ends the show uh, is whatever will let us live as we are now. So he's sort of making the, this plea to her for like, let's just get through all this together, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting because you would think Seth would want any way out of it possible. Yeah. Um, but we see that he's actually committed to this now. Yeah. Which I think is a big step forward for Seth. And probably goes back to that that scene where he became William's father. Um, and it's just, I think, very moving and beautiful. But uh, that's the end of episode 11. Mm-hmm. That sets us up for next week, the finale of season two. Big things are coming. Big people are coming. It's The Boy the Earth Talks to next week on Unauthorized Cinnamon. Any other thoughts to wrap up this episode? I never do have any. Never do. I just leave it open. <laughs> true. I appreciate that. Just leave it open for... Uh, yeah, that's it's a great episode of very realistic dealing with death I think and it's great that like you know I always I always applaud shows that have like can like take a moment out of like oh we gotta rush this kind of story and it does kind of inch you know narrative forward especially with like Hearst but for the most part it's how does this camp deal with this grief Mm -hmm. you know and we had that you know last season with Bill and we have it this season with William Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, just don't be named William on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that thing's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Be you wild <laughs> <laughs> or otherwise. Yeah, great episode. Yeah. Great show. Join us next week. We're going to finish up season two. We're already there. Yeah. Episode 12, The Boy the Earth Talks To. Uh, until then, check us out. Facebook, just search for Unauthorized Cinnamon for our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at Deadwood Pod. Uh, you can find our page at mockingbirdnetwork.com. You can see all our other great podcasts coming out of Houston. You can find my other one that's all about baseball called Throwing Junk. You can see The Stacks, which is a live comedy. 
uh, relationship that's all about uh, relationships that are shit. It's a great episode with Johan Stacey. They're really great and have really funny and interesting guests. Um, but hope you guys enjoy the finale, and we'll talk to you next week. Mockingbird Network. What's his name? Uh, that scene in Dick Tracy with Dustin Hoffman. I never saw Dick Tracy. It's, it's um, you know the movie that they say Tim Burton's Batman is? <laughs> it's the movie they say Tim Burton's Batman is because Tim Burton's Batman is not the movie that you you fondly remember as this like visual delight. Um. That was like the movie that. Did you ever have like a favorite movie as a kid that you never actually saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, cause that was that movie was like kind of marketed to kids. Yeah. Yeah. But like, there's no way my parents would have let me see it. Yeah. Because Madonna's in it and she's a yeah. whore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the Venn diagram uh, overlaps heavily on Madonna. <laughs> And it's, you know, I just said that and I like realized how ironic that yeah. like the other star of that is yeah. Warren Beatty. It's yeah. like, who's the whore? Yeah, who's the... <laughs> but uh, yeah, I fucking love Dick Tracy, but I never was able to see it. Yeah. I loved all the toys from Burger King. Yeah, I still have the, um, my brother bought, because it was my favorite toy growing up, the uh, the wristwatch. Yeah. <laughs> the the light up one. But uh, it's actually... I, it's, it's really good. fun. Yeah, I don't I'll know if it's good. It. I wouldn't say if it's good, <laughs> but it's it's a lot of fun. And visually, it's phenomenal. Like it's really, really fun to watch. Anyways, back to Deadwood. Yeah. <laughs>